Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to week one of 40 Days of Prayer. You picked a great weekend to come to church. Hey, 930 service, just one more time. Would you welcome everyone, your church family watching online? Greetings. Hello, hello. And um, man, just way to go uh, getting here for this service with the time change and everything. But I know what's happening. As great as it's been this morning, I can feel the tension in the room. Someone's sitting in your seat, aren't they? (laughs) We prayed about it last night, the Saturday services. I said, tomorrow they're going to come in, someone's sitting in their seat. What, what are they going to do? So, all right, we just thank you for joining us. And uh, if someone's sitting in your seat, just afterwards, go say hi to them. And you've just, you made a new friend today. You can tell, that's my seat. It's my seat at the 9 or the 1015. But, all right, um, we begin this series. It's going to last for a couple of months in your small group. Uh, You'll do session one this week, Uh, so you'll click play on session one of the small group curriculum, and then everybody look look up here for a moment. Tomorrow, September 21st, Monday, tomorrow, is day one of the 40. So regardless of what day you go to church, regardless of what day your small group meets, there's something to do every day. There's 40 daily devotionals, and day one is tomorrow. Tomorrow. So we'll all as a church family track on that together. We got more books in this week. Um, If you want to pick up a book to do the daily uh, devotionals, the daily prayer journals, uh, grab one. It's not not too late to join a small group either. So we are right on the outset of a 40-day journey that's aligning our weekend services, small groups, and our daily devotionals. And we'd love for you to join us outside between the buildings. Uh, is a prayer wall. You may want to go out that, out that way today. And uh, it's, just, it's a blackboard prayer wall. And uh, the vision there is that you would, you would cast a care onto God of what you're praying for. We'll leave it up for the 40 days. And uh, you don't have to write out a whole thing, maybe just initials of someone that you're praying for or an issue in your life that you're facing. And, and uh, maybe you just even want to put it up there in code or something, but just a way to, to cast Cast that care onto God, and then, uh, and then we can be reminded to be praying for one another. That's what this whole, this whole thing is about. It's about prayer. It's about getting close uh, to God. And I don't know how you see God. I don't know when you go to pray what, what thought you have in your mind. Uh, maybe you see God as more of an old Sunday school kind of God, like he's Noah and the ark God. He's Daniel and the lion's den God. He's Moses with the burning bush God, and he's a long ago God. And that's how many people see God, is he's a long ago God. But I'm here to tell you, God is a now God. God is in the now. And my prayer is that we would see God as a now God, that we would encounter God in our own lives. And your response may be to that, well, Rylan, that sounds good. And that was great for Noah and Moses and Daniel and all those people, but I'm not them. And when I go to pray, um, it, it doesn't feel like a now thing. It doesn't feel like anything's happening. And if that's you, let, let me lead off with this verse today. It's first, or Second Corinthians, rather, 3, 16. It says, whenever though, and say this word out loud with me, they. You know who the they is in this verse? It's the church. 
It's you. It's me. It's us now. Whenever they turn to face God as Moses did, God reveals the veil. And it's referring to a story with Moses we're going to look at in this series where Moses actually had a, a veil. It's speaking to a literal thing, but it's saying that this is the same is true for us today, that God removes this veil. That the veil for us is any barrier that's between us and God. That God removes this, and there they are with God face, face to face. And God says, if you ever decide, and it's completely your decision, to, that you want to be close and seek God's face, God can remove those barriers. And we could go through a long list of things that could be barriers between us and God. But there we are with him. Then suddenly, it says, it goes on, then suddenly they recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. This is a way of saying that the, that the, the acts of religion, that religion is just obsolete at this point. That all the stuff that you do out of obligation, that you think you're, you're earning favor with God, that you're earning salvation from God, that we read the Bible because we should. We pray we don't want to, but we feel like we, we should. And it becomes a religion, an obligation. It says all that is washed, washed away, and we are free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face, meaning that that's a way of saying that we begin to look like God. Like you spend time with someone, you begin to become like them. And so we are transformed. We are, let's go to the next part, we are transfigured much like the Messiah. And our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Ultimately, that's the whole goal of this. Ultimately, that's the goal. Listen, we're not going to pray intensely for 40 days um, because we're trying to uh, earn salvation from God. Salvation is a free gift from God that comes through believing in Jesus Christ. We're doing a spiritual growth campaign on prayer because of an amazing process of transformation that can take place, of something that God wants to do in our lives. And what an amazing transformation that we could gradually become more like Jesus Christ. I love that word gradually in there because it happens over time. Like we, we still struggle, but we're not who we, are, we, who we were because of the transforming work of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, because of his work in my life, my way stunk. <laughs> Ryland's way, if I would have kept going Ryland's way, I would have destroyed my life. I would have ruined my life. But because of Jesus Christ in my life, I have not destroyed my life. Glory to God. And the same can be for you. The world's way stinks. God's way is blessing. It's honorable. It's worth it. And especially as our days grow more and more evil, uh, it, it can cause a struggle in our walk with God. And maybe you've chosen God's way, but you're struggling. Here's why we're struggling. And here's why we're doing 40 days of prayer. If you're taking notes, write this down. Because we need power, not just words. You know why we need power, not just words? Because some of us are facing situations words cannot fix. 
This is why the Apostle Paul says uh, in another letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he says um, he could use all these amazing words. He said, I could go there if I wanted. Paul was one of the most intelligent people of his day, and he could have laid out a very persuasive argument, but he didn't come with with an argument. He didn't come with persuasive words. He says, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. What's your faith resting on? I want my faith resting on God's power. And, and if, if your marriage is going to be restored, if your kids are going to be brought back from rebellion, if you're going to break free from an addiction or lifelong habit, if you're going to conquer something, if you're going to conquer debt, if you're going to conquer something physical in your life, it's going to take wisdom. It is, but that's not all it's going to take. And so I, I love systems, to-do lists, processes. I never preach a message without an action step. Love it. Eat it up. I love teaching ways to help family. I love Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. I love our growth track, small groups process, spiritual growth campaigns. I love all the great Bible teachers, authors, Christian music, musicians. It's godly principles. Eat it up. We need it. And also remember that, hello, you can get it all right. You can have the most sound doctrine of anyone you know. <laughs> And miss God himself. And miss God in your life. We need God's power to make it. Because uh, we need, let's, this next one, we need an encounter, not just an explanation. A personal encounter with Jesus upstages a fine argument every time. Uh, that's why, I'll tell you, when I get into a debate with a very smart person who rejects God, I lose. I don't think I've ever, I've, I don't know, I've never won one of those. Uh, I lose, and they win. It's never rocked my faith. It, my faith is not only in an explanation. My faith is in a living God, and I'm not, my hope, my life is not at the mercy of a fine-sounding argument. And the, the, people, the people who want to argue they want to because they're good at it. They've worked on it. They're going to win. And ex but explanations don't change someone's life. Encounters do. And that's why the Bible is full of encounters. Like the one about the, the blind man, Jesus healed. I love this. This is in John 9. You can uh, look at this whole encounter if you like. But uh, Jesus heals a blind, gives sight back to a blind man. And, and they turned again to the blind man and said, what have you to say about him? What do you have to say about, about Jesus? And he replied, well, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And some of you, you don't need to have an explanation for what's happening in your life. People ask you, why do you go to church? Why do you pray? Why are you doing this? Why are you so cool in the, in the midst of all this? And, and you'd love to have a really great argument, wouldn't you? You'd love to just have a home run of something you could say, and you're like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I, I used to not 
pray and now I do. And I used to not like that and, and now I do. And you've had an encounter. God has done something in your life that is changing your life. Here's the third thing we need. And I'm just, I'm making one more case for the 40 days before we, before we go into it. Is we need presence, not just practice. Let me illustrate these points this way. Everyone was made on purpose for a purpose. I'm going to do a little show and tell today. I don't know if you can see this, but I love flashlights. Love them. If you're ever looking for like a gift to get a guy for his birthday, you don't know, just get him another flashlight. Never have enough flashlights. I love compact flashlights, big flashlights, headlamps. Love them all. Uh, went, slept in a tent with my son Friday night. And uh, it just quickly became all about the flashlights and just which I woke up and after I'm falling asleep, flashlight right in my face. He's three and he goes, oh, sorry, I'm trying to see a star. So uh, this is this is one of my favorite, favorite flashlights. It was created by its creators on purpose with a purpose intricately designed to illuminate the darkness. However, they left out one thing. Batteries are not included. They did that on purpose. And the only way you tap into the potential purpose is you open it up and you allow something to fill it. Come on, I feel like preaching about a flashlight. That's right. <laughs> allow something to fill it with something it did not have on its own, that it could not do on its own. And you have to give it something that it could not have and do on its own for it to work. And apart from that power, it cannot fulfill its purpose. But hello, even though this flashlight has been filled with the power, even though it has received it, it is not exercising what it has access to. Saved, not set free. Filled with the power of God, but not tapping into the power and wisdom that it has access to until you turn it on. And prayer is how you flip Prayer is how you flip it on. It's actually this switch is cutting it off from the power. You have to engage it to the power of God. And many Christians will do that, but it's just, help! <laughs> I got a prayer request the other day. Pray for my uncle. He's crazy. That was it. That was you, wasn't it? <laughs> and what we don't realize, here's the challenge though, is we don't leave it on long enough to focus on where God wants us, on what God wants us to see and what God wants us to do. And the feature of this flashlight that I like is that the longer that you leave it on, the more you realize you can actually Focus this to a fine point. And many people, many Christians are filled with the power of God, designed by God, but they are stumbling, literally stumbling around in the dark because they have not exercised what they have access to. 
And when you leave it on, you can see what God wants you to do and where God wants you to go. And God wants to fill you and God wants to engage with you. Prayer taps us in to what God is calling us to do. Prayer changes things, changes circumstances, changes us. It's changed me. Romans 8.11 says this. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did with Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life with his spirit living in you. Your body will be as, as alive as Christ's. The exact same thing that happened in Jesus' life can happen in your life, and it can happen to you. Um, prayer, all, all throughout Scripture, you see encounters with God where people prayed and stuff happened. In fact, that's my, that's my definition of faith. Faith is believing God can do stuff. That's it. And God honors it. God loves it when people believe he can do stuff, that he's a now God, that he can save, he can deliver, he can do his thing. So for the next few weeks in this series, we're going to look at some encounters in scripture that people had uh, with God, with Jesus. And I want to share an encounter with you uh, from the Bible. I figure if we look at people who had encounters with God, maybe we can um, learn from people who were face-to-face uh, -face with God and learn something from them. Uh, today, we're going to start with Jacob in Genesis 32. We're going to look at Jacob's encounter. And uh, stick with me here because I'm just going to give you some background to the story. And it's, it's, very, um, it's very dysfunctional, uh, so just try to follow this. There's a few different names, and his story is very, very dysfunctional. Uh, but Jacob is Abraham's grandson. So it goes Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob. And Jacob is a twin. He's, he's one of the twin sons of Isaac. And Jacob and his twin brother Esau were not identical twins. Esau was big strong, masculine. He was a hunter kind of guy. He was hairy. And, and Jacob, <laughs> let's just say Jacob wasn't. And so um, Esau, uh, became, Esau became Abraham's favorite, and Jacob became more of a mama's boy. And it left a father wound between Jacob, uh, in, it left a father wound in Jacob. And Jacob's name means deceiver. And he started to live out the meaning of his name. He deceived so much, he went as far as to cheat Esau out of Esau's birthright. Now, Jacob deceived Abraham into blessing him instead of blessing his, his twin brother. And there was tons of family dysfunction going on here. Uh, there got to be a wedge between Jacob and Esau to the point that Jacob fled for his life. And so Jacob ran off to be with his uncle, Laban, and, um, and fell in love with Laban's daughter. And Laban told him, okay, you can marry my daughter, but he would have to work for it for seven years. And then after the seven years on the wedding night, Laban slipped in a different daughter into the marriage ceremony. Um, man, when you sum all this up, it's just nuts, isn't it? So... <laughs> So Jacob had to work another seven years to get the daughter that he really wanted to marry. And Jacob has this falling out with Laban, 
And he packs up the daughters who are now his wives. He gets all his servants, shepherds, sheeps, uh, sheep, goats, and sneaks away in the night. And so now Jacob is on the run because that's what people do when they're in trouble. They run. And, but do you run to God or do you run away from God? Proverbs says that God's name is a place of protection. The righteous run, the righteous run to his name, the righteous run to it and are safe. So Jacob runs away from Laban. While he's running away from Laban, he's running right back toward Esau, who's still mad at him. And so Esau amasses his servants and shepherds, and they're coming out to meet Jacob, probably to kill him, uh, take his wives and flocks. But just before that happens, the night before, Jacob encounters God. Let's look at it, Genesis 32. 24. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. And this, that's really another series, but this, <laughs> the, the Bible, Scripture, are, they're historical documents. And so it's telling you what happened exactly the way it happened. So not every time is something explained or depicted in the Bible, does that mean that God is honoring it? And God did, God did not like this, this choice. But in fact, that's kind of even part of the story, is Jacob has his own solutions for everything, and, and God is interrupting that. So just because a biblical character did something doesn't mean God honors that thing. But he, he took his two wives, two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob now was left alone, and a man, and the Hebrew term here could be a man, it could be an angel, uh, it could be Christ himself, a lot of scholars believe that, that is Christ uh, himself. Whoever it was, Jacob wrestled with him till daybreak. I've titled today's message, Wrestlemania. <laughs> There was a small group once where we had an icebreaker, and it said, if you weren't doing the job you had now, what would you, what would you be doing? And the skinniest guy in our group goes, professional wrestler. <laughs> Mine was to be like the hype guy at the Royal Stadium that starts all the slow claps and all that kind of thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> Jacob was left all alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. So this process of meeting God face-to-face -face starts with wrestling. Encountering God isn't necessarily going to be easy. Sometimes there's a wrestling match going on because you have been doing things your own way for so long, and it's kept you from encountering. That's what's kept you from encountering God, is you've been making choices that would have you avoid Him. And sometimes an encounter with Him is a wrestling match because we're doing things our own way. It goes on, when the man saw that he could not overpower him. So when the man saw, whoever it was, when he realized that Jacob is still so stubborn that, that he is not going to surrender, even in this encounter, he is not going to give up. When the man realized Jacob was so stubborn, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. God touched his hip in a way that it wrenched it and Jacob walked with a limp for the rest of his life why would God do that 
Because sometimes we get so stubborn that God cannot work in our life until we get to a place where we realize we can't do life without him. And if, if we don't initiate that ourselves, if we don't come, become weak before God and say, God, I need your strength. I need you. I will obey you. I will follow you. If we don't do that, God will allow us to come to a point where we, we realize it, where our stubbornness just plays itself out. And some of us are at the point where life is falling apart because we're just, we have to do it our own way. And so now uh, we're weak and our, our, our hip has been wrenched, so to speak. And we're living with pain. And there are two ways to become weak. We can initiate, our, initiate it ourselves or God will allow it. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go. And this is, even in his stubbornness, I pray that this is your prayer. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the word bless is not blessed with money or material things. It's bless me with an internal, spiritual, deep down joy. I mean, Jacob is looking for some real healing in his soul here. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob means deceiver. Israel means uh, wrestled with God. And with this encounter, Jacob has a new identity. Uh, with this encounter, uh, he's a new person. Then Jacob said, please tell me your name. But the man doesn't tell him. This is why I'm inclined to think this was Christ himself, because if you read through the Gospels, 75% of the time, Jesus answers a direct question with another question. I looked up the percentage because it was driving me nuts. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. The man, he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. The man's like, no, 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 Jacob. You don't need any more information you don't need another explanation. You need an encounter. He says, I don't want to do something to your head. I want to do something to your heart. You don't need information in your brain. You need a transformation of your heart here. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. My life was changed. What changed? What changed in Jacob? Three things happened in that story. Uh, that we need to have happen in our life, that God can do in our life. The first one is this, a new strength. A new strength. And some of us need to admit that we're just worn out and weary. We pray, Lord, I'm exhausted. I, I need your power. I need your strength. I, I can't do this on my own anymore. Hebrews 3, 7 through 11 says, that is why the Holy Spirit says, today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. So if you feel God calling you, if, if, don't, don't harden your hearts. And many people will do this. They'll have an encounter with God, and they'll say, well, I have a rep reputation to uphold. Or my family isn't going to like this. What's my family going to do? What are they going to do in my workplace if this happens? And then they harden their hearts to it. 
They hardened their hearts as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for 40 years. That's a long time, but God doesn't always leave an offer on the table. He says, don't test it. Don't try me. He says, I was angry with them, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. In other words, he allowed their WrestleMania to continue. And, and there, I mean, there's another guy on the ropes with a metal chair coming in, and maybe that's the way you want to live your life. Or you want to give up your own solutions. Jacob was always, he always had his own solutions. He had his own solutions for marriage, for family, for his life, for his decisions. And it had to come to a place where that was just broken for him to have a breakthrough with God. Brokenness precedes breakthrough. Power doesn't always feel like power in the beginning. Breakthrough doesn't always feel like breakthrough in the beginning. To breakthrough, it takes surrendering your life to God. He got a new, a new strength, and we need this. We need a new identity. We, we pray, Lord, I give up, and Lord, change me. I want less of me, more of you. Notice that the man gave Jacob a new identity. Jacob, you're not going to be called deceiver anymore. God wants to do a new thing in your life. God wants to bring streams of living water into your life to wash out all the garbage. He wants to turn your, your wasteland into a garden that bears fruit. It's time for a new thing. People think God is about the old thing. But the world thinks God's old. Christians are old-fashioned. The church is where old people go. It's just all old. But God is eternal. Get, culture is what gets worn out. Culture is what's old. But God is eternal. God's mercy, God's grace, new every morning. God is not about the past. God is about now. God is about doing a new thing. God is about the future. When you get to heaven, one of the first things Jesus is going to do is give you a new name, new identity. Revelations 2.17 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. God gave Jacob a new identity. God wants to give you a new identity, and he'll do it if you meet him. The third thing that Jacob got was a new joy. A new joy. And some of us, we're smiling on the outside. We're dying on the inside because we've lost our joy, because we've put our hope in something else and our faith is shaken. And if you put your hope in something else, your faith will be shaken. You put your hope in your marriage, when your marriage isn't going well, your faith is shaken. If you put your hope in your job, when your job's not going well, your faith is shaken. When you put your hope in government, when government isn't doing well, your faith is shaken. When you put your hope in a person, when that person disappoints you, your faith is shaken. Put your hope in God. We need God to give us a blessing. God to put, us a, put a new spirit in us. God to give us the passion. Let God work in our life. God is trying to move into our life. He wants to be close, but we're wrestling. We're resisting. And God may have to wrench our hip to surrender. 
I've got one more verse for you. Let's read this one out loud together. We'll finish this message strong. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Where is joy? It's in God's presence. Where is pleasure? It's at God's right hand. Would you bow your heads with me? Some of you right where you're seated, uh, you need this. Uh, You've been a believer. You believe in Jesus Christ, that he is who he says he is. He lived a perfect life without sin. He died on the cross for your sin. He rose from the dead. And you believe it, and you're, you're filled with God. Christ is in you. But you need 40 days of prayer to flip on the connection. You need 40 days of prayer. You need an encounter with him. And I would encourage you just as much as you can right now. There's so much going on in our minds. There's just so much going on in the world and the world around us and the people around us. But I'd encourage you right now, as as much as you can, as much as you know how, just pause all of that and just sit before God and worship. And say, God, I come before you as I am. And I need you. I believe in you, but I'm still trying to do life by my own solutions, my own way. And I want to follow you. I need you. But maybe you're here today or you're listening. You would say that you're far from God and, and you just need to, you need to get right with him. You don't even know if, if you believe. And you're carrying your sin. You feel the guilt and shame of it today. You feel the pain and the stain and the yuck and the dysfunction of your sin. The burden of your sin is weighing on you. And there is no reason in the world for you to carry that sin another second. Jesus has paid for it. He died in your place. And he has broken the power of sin. And in this moment, right now, don't wait. Worship him. Pray to him. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've gone my own way. I'm trying to control my own life. I'm far from you. I need you. I don't want to carry this burden anymore. Come into my life. Make me a, new, a brand new person. Give me a new strength, a new identity, a new joy. As much as I know right now, I'm trusting you to save me, to deliver me, to love me, and to give me eternal life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.